What is up? Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. My name is Kate, registered dietitian and emotional eating coach. Each episode, I will bring you a motivational message or an inspiring guest to help you make informed nutrition decisions that fuel your life, not restrict it. Whether you are new to the podcast or an OG listener, thanks for spending this time with me today. Now, let's get into it. You guys, really, what is going on? Are you having an awesome week? I've had an awesome week because of this interview. This is probably the best podcast yet, but I say that about every single episode because I love them all. Okay, well, let me tell you guys why this one is so special. My guest Dana and I had such a real, raw conversation about how restrictive dieting messes with our heads and the people that we work with. I mean, this conversation gets deep. We talk about how Dana's health scares motivated her to make changes to how she eats. We also really talked about how restrictive dieting made us feel lonely, secretive, and deprived. We also talked about how we overcame these dieting struggles and came upon a more healthful, mindful way of eating that makes us feel oh so good. And even at the end, we touched on the power of making behavior changes sooner than later as part of preventative care. Both Dana and I have worked in the hospital and clinical settings and have seen how people don't care about nutrition. They don't care about their health. And when it's a little too late, that's when they have their wake up call and that's when they wanna make changes. So making these changes early on is so important, but doing it in a healthy way that doesn't make you feel ostracized from your family is really key. I really, I know you're gonna love this episode. And if it resonates with you, or if you learned something, please let us know in the podcast reviews. I love doing these kinds of really personal episodes where we have conversations with beautiful people about overcoming dieting, nutrition, and health dilemmas that so many of us struggle with. Okay, so let's get into today's episode because I don't wanna make you wait any longer for this awesome, juicy content. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. I am so excited you are here, and I'm also really excited about our guest today. Her name is Dana, and she is a nurse practitioner, NASM certified personal trainer, and creator and instructor for the HIT group training class, Workout Around the World. Her passion is for health promotion by educating and empowering others to live healthy. She has also made it her mission to encourage others, especially other women, to believe anything is possible by sharing her own journey. So please welcome our guest, Dana. Hey, Dana. Hi, Kate. Reading your introduction just gets me so excited because you are an incredible person. So I know Dana through a local networking group. Is that what you would call it? Yeah, definitely. Networking Networking group. Yeah. Yeah. For it's like women empowerment groups. So it's, it's so right up both of our alleys. And it's funny because we used to work at the hospital together. You used to work at the hospital <laughs> and we never met, which is wild to me because you're, you're with cardiac patients. Yes. Yes. I probably wasn't there when you were there. That's it. I had left. Okay. So back. So yeah, I was working out okay. for a while. Yep. So even though I never got the pleasure of working with you clinically, I got to take one of your classes the other day <laughs> at the networking group. And it was so much fun. And I was like, I've got to get Dana on the show because she's a rock star and you have so much (laughs) energy that I love. I'm addicted to you. (laughs) Oh, I appreciate it. You did awesome. You did awesome. (laughs) Okay. So you guys, just to set the scene, there was like 25 of us in this room with mirrors and Dana played soca music, which I don't usually listen to, but I'm not going to lie. I'm hooked on it now. If you look at my Spotify playlist, you can see that I've been listening to stuff from your class. And they had this big mirror there and we got to watch ourselves doing these moves. And 
You have the moves. I look like a middle-aged dad trying to fit in at a middle school mixer. It was awkward. No, but you're you so good. Awesome. Stop it. <laughs> you made me feel comfortable. You made me feel so much better. I'm glad you enjoyed. <laughs> so I wanted to have Dana on the show because she and I chat all the time about the importance of helping people find a healthy balance with health and nutrition and food and how they are so integrated together, you know, preventative health, especially. And so she kind of told me a little bit about her story and how she got into healthcare and how she has had her own struggles with fitness and nutrition that led her down this path to really dedicate your entire life. Like, I mean, you work a full-time job and teach classes and, you know, help people find a passion for fitness So it's literally your life is to help other people. And I wanted to have you on here to kind of share your story about how you got into such an amazing field. Definitely, definitely. So kind of tell me about how it started. Um, So my story, um, I guess I would say I've been active my whole life. I grew up playing tennis from the age of four, played in the United States Tennis Association League Um, in high school. I did cheerleading. I would say throughout college, I wasn't as active I would have periods of times where my friends and I we really got into fitness and we were kind of like cardio bunnies like how long can we be on the (laughs) treadmill Um, I would say I had a male friend at that time who tried to introduce me to weight training I did a few sessions with him um, which I just never really took on to Um, that male friend ended up being my husband so Uh, (laughs) I love that story that's just the best yeah so fast forward to 2015 Um, he really got me back into weight training and I fell in love with it at that time. Um, the next year I became close with, um, these friends that they were on a similar journey and we all just really hit the ground running. Um, it was a big source of community and accountability that really helped me to, um, get into fitness, to stay into fitness and to fall in love with fitness. So I really, um, am grateful for them at that time as far as nutrition I mean I grew up as that kid that was like always pretty skinny and I would say um, for most people nutrition awareness usually comes from an aesthetic um, point of view which it didn't Mm -hmm. for me Um, around that same time in 2015 I started to have different like um, health kind of scares I guess I would call it um I started having all these lymph nodes that were popping up in my body. And if people aren't familiar with what lymph nodes are, um, our body has a lymphatic system that kind of um, uh, stores like waste, like uh, our things will um, be filtered out into your lymph system. So for example, if you have a really bad cold, you may have, um, or strep throat, you may have swollen lymph nodes, you know, under your neck or things like that. But I was having them like, everywhere and they were just big and they were becoming concerning and I had some blood work abnormalities so I went through like a year's worth of workup and um, surgeries and diagnostics to find out what was going on and in the meantime my mother she was on a, a, a nutrition journey and she was just talking about eating more whole foods and really educating me on how those things affect my health And honestly, it was just out of fear. You know, I was just like, I don't know what's going on with me. I better start eating right. So my mom would come up here um, to Orlando and she would start juicing and she had me on juicing (laughs) and um, just really getting um, the love for whole food. So just um, foods that really just didn't necessarily come in a package, something that you can make that had, you know, less than three ingredients. And that's when I kind of started eating a little bit healthier. Um, Mm. Fast forward again to last year I did my first uh, fitness competition and I had a coach who was very very big on um, not just macronutrients which is pretty um, popular in the bodybuilding world but micronutrients so Mm. he did have me tracking my foods and from that I learned the different benefits of different foods at a micronutrient level like what vitamins it had how much fiber it had things like that so it further kind of fueled my um, love for nutrition in that way. Um, On the flip side, macro counting was a great thing, but then it, um, I started to develop a little bit of obsessions with food after training so hard and meticulously for a bikini competition. So coming out of that, there's been a bit of 
mental health changes as far as my relationship with food. So at this time in my life, I'm trying to find balance between the two, you know, appreciation for food, fuel is food is fuel, but um, food is something that's, you know, also that's to be enjoyed and not overthought about. Mm. So the combination of all those experiences has just led me to want to share my different passions and my journey with other people to let people know that, you know, everything is possible. If you were to look at me mm-hmm. six years ago, little scrawny Dana, no one would be thinking <laughs> I'd be doing the things that I'm doing now. And I just want to show people that and show them that they can do that as well. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, that was really story. Because, <laughs> yeah, it was, but I love that. I mean, I love when you can just, sh- you know, because there's people that are going to relate to different facets of that story because nobody's story with food is ever the same. And just like you said, food is fuel, but it's so much more than just nourishment, you know, physically from a macronutrient and micronutrient standpoint. Yeah, those things are super important. It's super important that we're focusing on fiber and making sure we're eating whole foods. But there's that mental component with food too. And if eating healthy and reaching aesthetic goals was as easy as looking at macronutrients, nobody would ever struggle with food. It wouldn't be hard. We have emotional ties. We've got all sorts of things linked to food that are way more complex and not as easy as, all right, eat this many calories, this many carbohydrates, yada, yada. Correct. You know, one thing that I want to go back to is you told me, your first interest in food was and nutrition was not motivated by aesthetics. It was motivated by fear. And I thought that was really impactful. You know, you, you were fearful for your health. Right. And I know you work in a hospital and I used to work in a hospital too. And a lot of the population are, you know, upper middle aged and they have these health scares way later in life. And then, then they want to start eating healthy and making healthy choices, but it's a lot harder because they're older. Do you see that working as a nurse practitioner with your patients too? Oh my goodness. All the time. It's Mm -hmm. so hard. I mean, I'll admit it's so hard for me at a young age, a relatively young age to change behaviors. Imagine obviously the longer you've been doing and living somewhere or excuse me, a certain way, the harder it is to break those habits. So working originally as a nurse practitioner in the primary care setting that was a huge part of my job was trying to elicit change on a preventative level before Mm. they ended up in the hospital where I am now Um, Mm -hmm. and trying to help people towards behavior changes just every in everyday life was a lot harder than um, one would think. Yeah. So definitely a challenge that I see out there for sure. Yeah. I mean, that behavior change is so key because you know, back to the earlier point, if eating healthy was easy, then it'd be easy to just flip a switch and decide to change how you live your life, whether it's going to be through food, whether it's going to be through exercise, lifestyle, sleep, exactly. it's behavior change. And, you know, sometimes it takes people to hit rock bottom or to have really, really intense health scares to motivate behavior change. But other times we have to really dig deep and work hard to figure out what specific behaviors we need to change And then stick to them because the consistency and like you were saying earlier, the accountability from your friends and your loved ones and your coach now hubby really makes a difference. It's not just make a change. Right, right. For sure. And, you know, when you said you were motivated by fear, a lot of people can find that motivation from, well, let me backtrack. A lot of people will feel fearful about multiple different things when it comes to nutrition. I mean, some people feel fearful of weight gain. Some people feel faithful or fearful of developing chronic disease or death. But I love that you use that fear to motivate you to be healthier and kind of leaned in instead of letting it scare you and going down a negative path. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So let's kind of fast forward because you definitely had a, um, a complex relationship with food, which I think most of us can relate to. I mean, I know for myself speaking, I never have just had one relationship with food. It's evolved over time and it will continue to evolve over time as we have different experiences. So one of the experiences that came in later of your life after you had adopted this whole foods diet, started to feel good eating things and and focusing just on quality food. And then you've gotten to the bodybuilding world and you started counting macronutrients and being mindful of micronutrients, which 
I've never heard of a bodybuilding coach being so interested in micronutrients. So kudos to whoever that was. I think that's awesome that he was concerned about fiber. I don't hear that very often. Yeah. So definitely. kind of, can you tell us what your mindset was like during those times and, and how you approached food and nutrition fitness from a mental standpoint? So towards the end of my competition, my calories had to start um, getting pretty low in order to get myself into a caloric deficit because I believe over time our bodies just become adaptive to what we're doing. So if you're doing a high amount of cardio and eating a low amount of calories, your body is just like, okay, now what? Mm -hmm. So it was always going lower and lower. So I started, that became pretty difficult. Um, And it's an extreme sport. So it was pretty extreme, but Mm -hmm. coming out of the competition, I noticed myself when I would look at a plate of food, I no longer saw food. I saw carbs, fats, proteins, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was developing anxiety around um, social events. Even when I knew that I was no longer training for the competition and I could have those things, I was almost scared to have those things, you know. So I I started to develop fears about certain foods and um, started to attach my worth on how good I did or quote unquote good I did eating that day, you know, Mm. and those things started to scare me, you know, because I wouldn't call it an eating disorder, but it would lead to disordered eating, you know, Mm -hmm. where you would think, okay, I had pizza last night. Let me, you know, do extra, extra cardio the next day or things different behaviors that I just didn't really like and I wanted to nip in the bud. So I started to take a pretty active approach onto changing my mindset around food. Um, One, because of myself, but then two, I started seeing that around, or excuse me, I started to see that in people around me. You know, people would Mm. come around me and they would expect me to say that carbs are bad or, you know, have different um, fears of food or demonizing certain foods. And I just felt like because of diet culture, certain trends are catching on. And I wanted that to not be my truth. And I didn't want it be, to be the truth um, for those around me as well. Because obviously there's people like you, Kate, who, you know, you're, you've had a weight loss journey, journey successfully by eating foods from every food group and not being scared of foods. And, you know, I'd look at people around just like you and say, this doesn't not have to be my reality. This doesn't have to be everyone's reality. So I just started taking small steps, like changing my verbiage around food. For example, if I'm going to indulge a little bit um, or to take it back, I'm totally a believer in eating whole foods a good 80, 85% of the time, which I've heard you say Mm. in the past, but I'm going to indulge. I'm not going to make myself miserable. I'm not going to be around family and friends and not enjoy myself because I can't eat something. And that's the type of mindset that I had in the past. So I decided I took a a conscious, you know, effort to say, you know, I'm not going to do that. But when I do indulge, I'm going to call it a a treat or an indulgence. I'm not going to say I had a cheat meal or, you know, I cheated because that just makes a negative connotation towards food. And I don't want that mindset anymore. So I would say, you know, I'm feeding my soul today. You know, I I fed my body all day. Now I'm going to feed my soul with this meal. Different things like that have helped to start change my mindset around food and my relationship with food. And then also when people start to come around me and say certain things that may line up with diet culture, like, oh, bread is bad. Carbs are bad. You know, I start to dig a little. Well, why? Why do you think that? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Asking people why is the is so insightful because sometimes they can't tell you why. They're like, oh, I saw it on the Today Show exactly, or whatever it might be. Exactly, exactly. So little things like that have helped me to try to come into this new relationship and um, with food and, and balancing with food and really seeing, you know, if we really appreciate food and um, are grateful for what it can do for us. Because I think a lot of people think that eating healthy is like a punishment. Like, oh, I got to eat mm-hmm. this broccoli. Oh, I got to eat this organic. Like we post a picture of something on Instagram. We're like, uh, trying to eat healthy. When there's people in other parts of the world, they can't world, they can't afford this food. You right. know, they can't afford to nourish themselves. So I think if we see that as a, a way of self-love, as a positive thing, 
I'm able, I'm so grateful that I'm able to feed myself these foods that are rich in the vitamins and the nutrients that I need. Just changing the mindset in that way has helped me and can help others to really um, be more so grateful that we get to eat healthy oh, yeah. and not okay. do it begrudgingly. I tell you, you said so many things that just spoke to my soul. I mean, one thing, I mean, going off of your, your last topic there about how some people can't afford to eat these foods and they would do anything. I, I see that here in America at the hospital that we work, that you work at and I work at. I mean, in the hospital, I had to administer tube feeds and TPN. So if you're not familiar, tube feeds is when they stick a tube in your stomach or your small bowel and feed you from a formula. So you don't physically get to chew food and taste it. And then TPN is parental nutrition where they feed you through an IV. So it's not even going through your gut. And I would talk to these patients who would do anything. I mean, they would do anything to eat. And it's really eye-opening. And then you'd see people with chronic illnesses where they were constantly vomiting and they couldn't hold down food. And they were losing weight so rapidly. And it was so eye-opening because you're like, man, these people would do anything to eat. And here I am thinking, oh, I shouldn't eat an extra snack because it, it right. it's just kind of puts things in perspective. Definitely, definitely. And something else you said that really was impactful is, you know, I, I mean, I can relate to this a lot. And I think a lot of people who are, you know, into fitness or in the fitness and health and nutrition industry, they have people coming up to them really almost seeking validation for that diet culture that they are so conditioned to believe in. When you said people come up to you and say, aren't carbs bad? I mean, I've been going through that same issue since I went into college to clear <laughs> as a dietitian. I mean, I remember being at um, an ex-boyfriend's family's house for Christmas or Thanksgiving or something. And this family member being like, oh, we're serving mashed potatoes in front of the dietitian student. And I was like, hell yeah, we're serving mashed potatoes. Right. I hope so. <laughs> but people are feeling like they need to justify their quote unquote naughty or indulgent choices because they feel like they're naughty or indulgent choices just from from what we we hear it's it's alarming and then it's it's good that it's important I feel like that you know as a fitness professional and as a dietitian we help really get people to open up and say and ask why not just tell them like hey carbs aren't bad but actually ask them why do you think that well what's wrong with mashed potatoes what's wrong with having a slice of bread compared to, you know, those crazy supplements and pills you're taking, right. you know, I mean, right. it's kind of silly. Definitely. So asking those questions are, are really impactful. And, and I love that you're, you're doing that to really help grow, ch- change the mindset, because just like you said, it, it's a mindset change and it doesn't happen overnight. It's not something that just, you know, you can't just change everything about your, your beliefs with food. It's an ongoing process and ongoing journey. Right. And I, and I'll be the first to say, I'm not like this big guru that's figured this out. I still struggle with those mindsets for sure. And it's just making that conscious effort sometimes to combat that mindset that I took so long to build now that I'm trying to break down, you know? Yeah. That conscious mindset. I feel like that's really key is to, first of all, being conscious of your mindset, really taking time to be introspective and real talk about your relationship with food. I mean, when I have clients come in, a lot of times they'll come in and simply say, I want to lose weight, which is perfectly valid. I mean, I feel that if somebody wants to lose weight, it's their right and they should do that. And I want to help them get there because it does make you feel good to be fit. But it's really uncovering why they want to lose weight why they have this belief that they're not good enough at the weight they are now and how we can get them from point A to point B without feeling they, they need to be restrictive. Right. The weight loss journey should enhance your life or whatever kind of health journey you're on. It should enhance your life, not take from it. And when you're restrictive and you're constantly counting things and you're constantly thinking, oh, should I be eating this? Is this bad? Is this a good day or a bad day? I think that takes from your life spiritually, mentally, and emotionally and even affects your relationships. Did you ever feel like when you were, you know, doing some restrictive dieting that, or even afterward that your relationships and friendships were affected? Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Did I open a can of worms? (laughs) So apparently one, I was a terror to be around as per my friends. Um, Constantly hangry. During my um, competition prep. And I I knew that I thought I was only um, giving that off to my husband, but um, (laughs) apparently not but it was you even from an introspective standpoint I remember being around people but just feeling so isolated 
because I couldn't just reach over and have a chip, you know? Mm. And so I wasn't even paying attention to what was going on. And it really, if you think about it, like the chip is not that big a deal. A a chip is really not worth it. I didn't come here for the chip. I came here to be with my friends, you know, but. Wait, that is, that's like something I want to paint on a canvas and hang in my kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't come here for the chip. (laughs) Right. But for the people, but for some reason that, that that anxiety that fear built up so much in me that you know I wasn't able to enjoy my friends or my family so it it just it just became so not worth it you know at that point and yeah you know you just don't like who you are at that point and I'd rather just eat the one chip and enjoy the rest of the night with my friends instead of spending the whole night thinking about that one chip you know yeah you know, I was um, listening to something the other day and having a conversation with somebody about when, you, like you said, it's very lonely when you're dieting, when you feel, you feel isolated, when everybody else can just, you know, grab a snack and they don't even seem phased by it. But for you, if you reach into the bowl of chips the whole time, you're like, oh my gosh, are people judging me? I can't believe I'm eating these calories, blah, 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 blah. Right. It's a lonely feeling. Right. And I once was, I was talking about this the other day with somebody where if we focus on living life and we focus on the moments that we're having, the people we're with, the enjoyment of just being present and alive and not food and calories, we're probably going to end up overeating less in in a large span of time. We're not going to have that food guilt and association and we'll be better in control of how hungry we're feeling or right. when we're feeling like something's worth indulging in. Right. And then we can just kind of eat the food and move on live life because we're more focused on life. Now, there's a balance between that because if you're always focused on life and not being a little bit conscious of your of making healthy ch- choices overall. 100%. Well, right. So it, it's finding that equilibrium per se. <laughs> right. And I th- a, a good a good method for me is like because I've had so many times where I was in social settings and I didn't feel like I was able to enjoy myself because of food. For me that's what's worth it for me. So I'm going to that 80% for me is when I'm alone, no one's mm-hmm. watching. I'm I'm on it. You know, yes. whole foods all day. So that when it comes time for me to go to a social gathering or something like that, I I feel no guilt. I I don't mm. care, you know. Preach it, girl. I'm, I'm yeah, able exactly. to to enjoy my friends and my family. That's what's worth it for me. Hey, real quick. I wanted to remind you about the free, yes, free intermittent fasting guide fellow dietitian and my business partner Megan created for you. If you listen to our episode on intermittent fasting, learn about all the benefits that come with fasting, and you're like, yes, I need more, you need to head to go.orlandodietitian.com backslash intermittent fasting to get her intermittent fasting guide for free. Yep, you can learn how to fast like the real OG and not waste any time toying around with inefficient methods that get you nowhere. It's a waste of time, a waste of effort. Just learn from a nutrition expert and get your hands on that guide. It's go.orlandodietitian.com backslash intermittent fasting. Emphasis on the go, meaning go now. (laughs) I'll link it in the show notes. If you guys have any questions, feel free to shoot us a DM. Whereas years ago, your girl was, you know, stopping off at the 7-Eleven to get some grandma's sugar cookies or something like that (laughs) yeah I'd rather have the gourmet cookie at whatever bakery with my friends you know and you know there's nothing wrong you know just find out what what is worth it for you you know yes you're I preach it sister I tell people that all the time I say you know what you don't because I'll have clients come in they say I was they use this language you know it's it's working to get off this language but saying I was good Monday through Friday, and then I was bad over the weekend. And I say, first of all, let's not call it good or bad, right? right? We don't, we need to use different terminology. Second of all, well, if you are, when it's those seemingly mundane choices, those things we do day in and day out, just the routine that makes a difference, that 80 20 rule where all these things you're doing just on your daily life is what adds up. That way, when you do go out and enjoy something, when it's worth it, when you're with friends, when you are living life and focused on living life, doesn't even matter. Yeah. Because what you're doing day in and day out that seems mundane, that seems routine, 
that makes a difference. And that's where that consistency comes in and that accountability. Right. When you're by yourself, what are you eating for lunch? Are you stopping at the gas station and getting grandma's cookies? <laughs> or are you driving straight home to eat the snacks that you planned ahead? Because right. that's just what you do. Right. Right. You're talking about those vanilla grandma cookies, right? Yes, blue I bag? am. The sandwich cookies. Mm. <laughs> that brings me back to high school. <laughs> those were, like, for some reason, like, those... Now I'm like, why... If I'm even going to get a packaged cookie... It's not going to be those, but something about those back in the day. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then it's just like the quality <laughs> is just like, man, I could have got something like really, really what? worth it, you know, but yeah, you know, whatever. And you know that, did you ever feel like, I know when I was, I went through a really restrictive phases. In fact, I've been through several restrictive and dieting phases. I mean, that's, that's kind of, you know, the root of my passion. It sounds like you've been through them too. Where you would when you would restrict and you wouldn't keep anything around your house and you wouldn't let yourself leave the house to get things, but I know for me like I would still keep all these healthy things in my pantry, but I would never let myself like when I really wanted to have a cookie or if I came home from an event with friends and I didn't let myself eat anything, well then I just end up overeating all the healthy things I have in my house just mass oh, quantities like I would eat like goodness. spoonfuls of peanut butter and make oatmeal at like midnight because what else was I gonna eat I just needed to eat. You are That's preaching my life, sister. Too. If you ask yeah. a friend of mine, Kelly, she knows. I, there was one day I told her, I, I told her, I said, I must have blacked out and <laughs> ate this whole bag of cashews or, or it was trail mix or something mm. that, you know, in the proper serving size would have been great. Mm-hmm. When you eat yeah. a whole bag of cashews and dried fruit, <laughs> yeah. I might as well had like two slices of Publix cake or, you know, something that would have been right. really, you know, more satisfying. So definitely I've had that happen in the past as well. Oh yeah. It's like, we, we just like, we're like, oh, we can't have the cake because it's the cake. So I'm just going to eat these nuts. And then when I finish the nuts, I'm going to go back in and have a whole thing of, of pop of healthy, quote unquote, healthy popcorn. And then I'm going to start eating, you know, apples with peanut butter. And then, then that blackout feeling, it's not even just the nutrient content of the food because sure, those are going to have more nutrients than whatever the, the cake was. But then you're right, your portion's so out of whack, you don't feel good digestively because exactly. you overate. And then mentally, you just binge and you feel like a failure. And right. that failure feeling can really break you and it happens over and over again. I mean, that's the restrict binge mindset. When you restrict, 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 and you are quote unquote good for a while, Yep. then you break it, then you feel like a failure, then you give up, and then something happens again where you're like, oh, I'm ready to diet again. I'm ready to count calories again. So you restrict, 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 and the cycle just goes and goes and goes. Yeah. And that's a trap. This isn't what we're talking about, but that makes a good point. I just, I don't like anymore to like set these huge, big deadline or start dates. You know, when people are Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm going to start on the first of the year. I'm going to start on Monday or I'm going to start like, no, you, you quote unquote messed up this morning. It's fine. You can do whatever you can make a a better choice tonight you can actually Mm -hmm. do it tonight or you can do it tomorrow even though tomorrow's Wednesday it doesn't have to be Monday because that just sets up that mindset that this is going to be some huge big thing I'm never going to have that food again and it just really sets you up to to honestly to fail to go into that cycle you know yeah and isn't it crazy because you're exactly right you know you, you enjoy something if if somebody feels like they might have overage or enjoyed something that doesn't in line with their health goals they need to forgive themselves and just carry on business as usual you know if it was lunch they went out to a huge lunch brunch for no reason just kind of sporadically and then maybe they didn't make the most nutritious choice fine whatever just forgive yourself move on dinner's going to be later you can make a healthy choice then and just carry on it doesn't have to be a whole crazy event because you're exactly right that crazy event just sets you up for failure and What's wild is I, I think a lot of us have struggled with this is we know that we know that if it's an, if we set a start date and we restrict, we subconsciously know it's not going to work. But every single time we're just like eternal optimists. We're like <laughs> this time, this time right. this diet's going to be the one <laughs> I will be in a size zero in two weeks. It's going to work. And then we set these weird expectations and standards for ourselves, which isn't a bad thing. We just put unrealistic uh, steps to getting there on ourselves and time restraints. And so when we don't meet these impossible standards, that's when that feeling of failure sinks in again and the cycle goes on. Yes. 
it's it's rough it's it's hard out here for us ex-dieters to put it into words unless you you felt it yourself but I really feel like a lot of us have felt it with ourselves, and you know it can translate into other things related in health too it can translate to exercise when you put exercise goals on yourself when you put health related goals like drinking more water or or even business goals when it comes to work if you set crazy high standards without having a reasonable uh, plan of action with a healthy mindset it can just be overwhelming and, and really throws us off the path to success definitely. to sustainable success definitely so one thing I want to touch on a lot too, because you're so amazing at empowering other women and you have such a passion for it, especially women to get active. I mean, like I was saying earlier, guys, she's a nurse practitioner. That's not an easy job at a hospital. So she works a ton and she's even <laughs> taking time on her, her one day off of doing nothing to talk to me on this podcast. So <laughs> seriously, like superwoman here. So she works full time and then she goes and trains and does, uh, group fitness classes. So what is it that really motivates you to say, okay, even though I had this long day at the hospital with patients who aren't always the nicest, I'll just say that sometimes people can drain you. (laughs) Sometimes if you work with the public in the clinical setting, you sometimes feel like a um, hotel stewardess, but you know, (laughs) they might drain you a little bit. What is it that really motivates you to say, okay, I had a long day, but I still want to go not only be active myself, but lead others in being active. Um, definitely kind of goes back to what I said before. If you were to look at me, like if you knew me in high school and you looked at me now, you would be like, what? That's yeah. Dana. You know, <laughs> regular, degular, schmegular Dana. You know, that's what I always say. I always say if regular, degular, schmegular Dana can get up and get active and, and take small steps towards living a healthy life, then so can you. And I want to be able to tell that to people, especially women. So I know that there's this weird, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of quote unquote influencers out there on Instagram and there's, they get a lot of slack. People, you know, will, will say, oh, just another, you know, booty building girl on the, on the gram and da, 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 da. And I understand there's, there's a lot of people that are maybe giving out poor information, but I would say, for those women that are sharing their story on Instagram, especially about getting fit or weightlifting Mm. or things like that, they have empowered women that would never thought that would never have picked up a dumbbell to do that, you know? Oh yeah. And that, and that's why I do that. Um, because I get such satisfaction from seeing someone say that they can't do this and then doing it. And the only reason that they did it was somebody outside of themselves told them that they could, because we know how it goes it's always easier to see something in somebody else than in yourself. And sometimes you need that extra push. And that's what I like to be as a trainer. um, And as a group instructor is to be that extra push. Like you, we can do these things. And if it just tells me yelling, let's go, or, you know, having a little extra conversation on the side with you about, you know, what are your, what are your goals and what's holding you back from those goals or, you know, pushing you a little bit harder. If that's all it takes, then, you know, that's what I want to be, you know, um, (laughs) just seeing how, how empowering it was for me. I want to share that with other people, you know, I love what you said about, you know, we sometimes don't see in ourselves what we see in other people. And you're so right. When we get online and we see somebody with a good intention, sharing their story, you know, somebody who's not just trying to, you know, sell you a pill when they're actually genuinely sharing their journey. I mean, I know for me, when I was in college, I remember sitting in my sorority bunk bed, being in the dark, just looking through, I was, for me, it was Paige Hathaway at the time. So this was oh. like 2000, I know, right? <laughs> uh, so that was like 2010, I was looking through and I would watch her stuff and I would see all these people and it really, the social media is what got me into fitness. And so when we can put our stories out there and do exactly what you said, help people, see in themselves or see in in themselves what they see in others that's what makes a difference you know it's it's be it's your intention behind the post it's your intention behind helping people and it's pretty easy nowadays to spot who has the right intention and who's just out there spewing pseudoscience so I think that's incredible and I, I know you told me once too that you know people and women often feel intimidated by the gym and wanting to to work out and that's something that also inspires you yeah so like I said, my earlier on years in the gym, and there's 
there's nothing wrong with that. If cardio, if being on the treadmill for an hour makes you happy, if it really does, and if it does, come talk to me because you're a special person. But if being on the treadmill for an hour honestly makes you happy, then go ahead and do it. But I know from my experience, when I first started working out, maybe I was a little bit interested, but I was very intimidated to do different types of, um, you know, exercises. So to see other people like me doing that, that, you know, helped me a ton. You know, sometimes you just go in the weight room, people are yelling, people are grunting, they're throwing weights. And it's just like, what is going on? I remember my first few years of doing that, I felt so self-conscious. Now somebody comes up with me, comes like this huge bodybuilding guy comes up to me. He's like, you know, how many more sets do you have on that? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, three more. You might want to ask the guy next to me. Like, I, I don't even care. Okay. Wait, yes. Like, uh, can't you see? I'm using- I hate that. Being a female in the gym, like guys come up to you and you're like, you might not be doing a whole lot of weight. They're like, if you need a set, just like, let us know. And you're like, dude, like, I need a day. I was like benching like 45 and somebody came up to me and I was like, do I look that scrawny? <laughs> fine but thank you yeah and no and I've had times especially when I was like eating super low calories I guess somebody really saw me struggling to load the weight and was like can I help you and I was like yes please you know I don't mind I don't have a chip on my shoulder but I, but I, I do it. have that confidence now that I never never would have had before and you know sometimes oh. it's just as small as having a plan like I've had people where mm. I just write out a personal personalized plan for them so they know what they're doing so that Mm -hmm. in itself gives them confidence to go okay I know what I'm doing head down straight I've got a plan I don't have to be nervous I can get Mm -hmm. in there do what I need to do and get out you know yeah exactly yeah exactly you know I have clients that come in and sometimes people just need I don't want to say being spoon-fed but they need a little bit more of a clear-cut plan where some people are just better at ad-libbing so it just depends on the person which, you know, kind of leads me into the, one of the last questions I want to ask you for listeners, because I know this is a question you probably get a lot. And, and that is, I want to ask your three best tips to any woman who wants to start exercising, doesn't really know how per se, but is, has been watching you on Instagram or watching other influencers on Instagram and wants to start exercising. So three tips. What I would say is one figure out your why so why do you Mm. want to start exercising is it just because it's cool now um is it for a health reason is it for an aesthetic reason figure out your why identify that why um you don't have to marry it because that why will evolve and change but to start figure out you know why do you want to do that because when you know motivation is waning and things get hard it's that why that you're going to go back to to keep you going so that would, I love that. I love the, you don't have to marry it. Yeah. Just what, what is it? And I do this a lot with my clients is I have them ask themselves why seven times, because a lot of times Ooh. people will say, Oh, I want to look good in a bikini. And so then you can kind of throw them a curveball and be like, well, why do you want to look good in a bikini? Mm. And they'll be like, um, so that I feel confident on the beach. And then you say, well, why don't you feel confident on the beach now? Mm. And then that really gets people to dig deep and be like, Oh, like I, associate you know you get down to the root of the problem it never is just it always starts superficial I want to look good I want to look good in my wedding photos I want to look good in clothes I want to have you know have more confidence well that's great but where is this stemming from because you know what we were talking about earlier there's always more of an emotional tie to either food fitness and body image so getting people to not only figure out the superficial reason why but to really dig deep kind of like like counselors here, yeah, <laughs> counselors and awesome. exercise counselors. Oh my so, yeah, goodness. As a dietitian, I have just discovered you guys have to be counselors. I mean, oh, yeah. as a trainer as well, as a nurse practitioner, as anything, but I, you know, goodness, I can't even imagine. So yeah. Oh yeah. We keep a box of tissues on our desk at the office because it gets real. Yeah. <laughs> but I it's a imagine. good thing. Yeah. Definitely. So your first tip is to figure out why. Why yes. do you want to start an exercise program? What's your, your second why? Tip? My second would be to set attainable and behavior-oriented goals. Yep. So attainable meaning I kind of talked about how years and years I would get really, really active and then fall off. 
it was probably because my goals would be like I'm gonna run seven <laughs> times a week Jeez. that's <laughs> not me and maybe it is attainable that first week but it's not sustainable so mm-hmm. attainable sustainable goals if you feel like you can you know do three days in the gym you know start out by doing I always tell clients this start out by setting it a little bit lower reach that goal consistently you'll start to gain confidence and then you'll keep going because what happens is if we set goals that are way too high and then we don't reach those goals or we don't sustain those goals then we start to get discouraged and that cycle starts to go and go and go and then the goal should be orient um goal or excuse me behavior oriented goals so instead of so maybe your overall arching goal is you want to fit into that wedding dress but what are the small behavior Mm. changes that you're going to make in a day to get there Dude, that's like Jedi mind tricks, what you're just talking about. That's why I call them Jedi mind tricks of counseling <laughs> because, you know, people have these big overarching goals. And I think we, with goal setting and the, the, the smart goal setting is we do it backwards. We have this big goal and we just kind of leap for it. Yeah. But instead, we need to look at that big goal and, and break it down. Okay, so in six months, you want to be here. So what, what can you do this month? And then what can you do this week? And what can you do today? to every day build you up to that big goal right so setting those small realistic attainable and sustainable which i think is key what you said the sustainable goals so not running seven days a week but starting to run three times per week for this amount of time or this amount of distance right and then slowly increasing that as you gain confidence because when you gain confidence that just really propels you definitely definitely and then i would say my last one is to seek help you know yes that's like the biggest one yeah like definitely you don't have to be on this journey alone obviously there's a lot of resources on social media and the internet and there's people like me I'm a personal trainer so if you are looking to start your fitness journey and you're just not really sure to start out definitely reach out to me Um, I'm a personal trainer at a local gym in Orlando um, House of Sweat if you don't live in Orlando um I do for select very motivated people. I'd make those personalized um, workout plans and I can help with accountability with that. And VIPs. Yes. <laughs> and um, as well as I, like um, Kate mentioned before, I'm a group instructor at, it's called Workout Around the World at a local studio, Somika Studio in Orlando. I'm looking to hopefully one day start live streaming that or have a way to really um, reach oh. people outside of um, just the local market. So um, that's brilliant. That would be, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people that don't live here that, you know, want to partake. They want to get in and on the fun. So definitely want to find a yeah. way to reach that. But, um, you know, definitely seek help. That person that you're following on Instagram or you've been looking at their YouTube, most of the time are they're very, very nice and they want to help you genuinely. And if you reach out to them, um they can point you in the direction that you need to go yeah don't be afraid to ask for help nobody who ever accomplished amazing things brilliant life-changing things did anything alone so there's no shame you know put your ego aside we've all done it we've all struggled with the ego sometimes in certain areas of our life just put it aside and ask help and you will see that you get results so much faster when you have that tribe that accountability and that guidance So what I'm going to do is I'm going to link all of those places that you teach at your personal training, your group fitness classes. I'm going to put those um, places in the show notes. So if you're local to Orlando and want to check it out, you can read in the description from this podcast. Also, Dana, if somebody wants to creep on your IG and see all the (laughs) cool things you're doing on Instagram and get their fitness inspo for you, how can they find you? Um, My IG handle is going to be D as in David underscore the fit underscore NP. Yes. And that NP is nurse practitioner because she's <laughs> D the fit NP. I love that so much. Well, Dana, thank you so much for taking an hour of your day off. I still can't believe you did this on your day off. Oh, you're, you're a rock star. I'm giving you a, a virtual hug right now. <laughs> and if, if you guys want to follow D the fit NP on Instagram, I'll also link that in the show notes. You guys can keep up with her and maybe I'll have you on the show again. Yes, and I'd like to say I was—I just felt so honored that I was the little um, review 
<laughs> oh my gosh, yes! Yeah! Oh my gosh! My gosh. And, I didn't, and I'm so stupid. I didn't realize that was you at first. I shouldn't say I'm stupid. It's not nice to talk to myself no. like that. Sorry, Kate. No. Sorry, myself. I love you. But no, yes. And if you, hey, if you guys want to shout out to, feel free to leave a review. Let us know that you listened to this episode and what you loved about it because we want to just bring you stuff that you actually like and are listening to and find value from. I really... I really, really hope that uh, D, the Fit and Peace story <laughs> resonated with you in some way. I know it really touched me, and I could not be more thankful that you took the time to come and talk to me today on our little pod. I am honored. Thank you so much for having of me. Of course. Well, guys, until next time, keep it real and keep Hey, real quick. I hope you are enjoying this episode as much as I am. I wanted to share something for you if you feel like you struggle with emotional eating, meaning you turn to food every single time you feel sad or bored, depressed, anxious, or lonely. Emotional eating can really get in the way of not only your weight loss goals or your aesthetic goals, but get in the way with your quality of life. If you're constantly feeling like you have to turn to food to feel better and then you feel guilt or shame after eating, well, it's really hard to just feel relaxed around food or feel relaxed and normal around situations and social get-togethers where there's food. It's kind of like a weight on your shoulders every single time you go somewhere because you feel anxious around the food or you turn to eat because you feel anxious or you're constantly wondering what other people are thinking of you when you're eating or what they're eating. Like food becomes your life. That's a big sign of emotional eating and a lot of people don't realize this. So I created an emotional eating quiz for you to take. If you go to go.orlandodietitian.com backslash emotional eating, you can take the emotional eating quiz to see if you exhibit signs of emotional eating. Now I wanna say there's a major difference between digging into a pint of Ben and Jerry's the night you get dumped and inhaling a half gallon of sherbet over the kitchen sink just because you're feeling lonely. One is just you know a situational issue but if it becomes a consistent habit in your life where you're constantly eating copious amounts of food to deal with other issues, it's going to get in the way of your health. And it's perfectly normal and okay to turn to food when something really shitty or maybe something really awesome happens, but it's not okay to turn to food every single time you feel a heightened emotion. After all, feelings are fickle and they constantly change. So self-awareness of your eating habits is the first step to recovery and developing a normal relationship with food, a healthy relationship with food. So take the emotional eating quiz at go.orlandodietitian.com backslash emotional eating to help you better understand if you exhibit the symptoms of an emotional eater. This way you can start your recovery journey. Thank you for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. For topic requests or to apply to be a featured guest, please email kate at orlandodietitian.com. Want more nutrition awareness? Check out our blog for recipes, nutrition tips and tricks, as well as product recommendations. Our website is www.orlandodietitian.com. Dietitian is spelled D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. This has been Dietitian Kate, and until next time, keep it real 